the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let me remind you how you know and do the will of God. You read God's Word. Because when you read God's Word, God speaks. The foundation of the Christian faith is that we believe this is the Word of God. That means when you read it, it's God speaking. You want God to speak out loud in your life? Read the Bible out loud. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. freedom. They had a little more extra income. They could do what they wanted to do. And so what did they do? Well, this businessman had their plan constructed. They had their place chosen. They had the period of time calculated. They had the purpose considered and they had the profit computed. But the reality was they didn't have a clue. And James is about to tell them that. That's true for us. The way we live will sometime reveal that we don't even know what we don't know. You ever look at your children, if you've had kids and you think that, you don't even know what you don't know. I I think God looks at us that way a lot. We act like we're Mr. or Mrs. Big Stuff. We've got the answers. We're large and in charge. And God's saying, you don't even know what you don't know. Look at verse 13. Come now. You don't care about this, but this is a second person singular in that Greek language, which means it's as if he's looking at an individual and he's talking personally in them and saying, listen to me. You who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Here it is again. You do not know. What is your life? In other words, you don't even know what life is. For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And boasting is evil. He gives a contrast to verse 10. When you humble yourself, God exalts you. But when you boast, you take that position of the enemy. You presume upon God. And instead of living in the thrill of God's will, you live in the illusion of of your own ignorance. You think you've got it all figured out, but you're playing the part of a fool or you're playing the part of Satan. In Isaiah 14, when we see of Lucifer's fall from grace, from God, from heaven, five different times in that chapter, he says, I will, I will, I will. And when we live that way, where our will is the main drive of our life, 
we're acting like the enemy. And, and this is a case study of that because it deals with when we do what we do, the duration of our plans, where we do what we do, the location of our plan, what we do, the vocation of our plans, why we do, the motivation of our plan. Do you play God over these areas of your life? I mentioned it before. Let me mention it again. Just walk through as a child. As a child, we think about what we want to do when we grow up. Most of us don't end up doing that. But we make our plans. We fall in love. We say, and so we marry the person we want to marry. Uh, Often we haven't consulted God, but we make our plans. We go do a job because we got a job. And ask God if that's what he wants us to do with our lives, but we make our plans. We begin to make a little money. We buy that TV or that car or that house or whatever we want because we're in charge. We're the master of our fate. We make our plans. And then we retire and we do whatever we want because we worked hard. And we don't consult God, but we make our plans. And yet Pastor James is saying, you don't even know what life is. And you're living like you don't even know who God is. So let's answer those questions. What is life? Just think about that for a moment. What is life? First of all, James says life is brief. It's like a mist. It rarely gets cold enough in this part of Florida for us to wake up on an early morning and walk outside with enough chill in the air to see the mist from our own breath. I lived in Missouri, and it got cold enough there. You could talk or you could breathe, and you would see the mist come out of your lungs. But then it would disappear. We've driven by a body of water, a lake, and you've seen the mist hovering over it early in the morning. But it doesn't stay. It It disappears. And James is saying, that's what life is. It's brief. You think you're here, you're invincible. You think you're in charge. You're just a second in the scope of eternity. He says, so we count our years, but we really should be numbering our days. That's what Psalms 90, 12 says. Teach us to number our days. Do you know how many days you've been alive? I didn't. So I thought I should probably do that. So I should number them. So I've been alive 18,789 days. Are you numbering your days? Are you understanding how brief life is? Life is brief, but, but it's also fragile. He said it's like a mist, but it's gone. We don't know that we'll be here next year. Looking out at some of you, and a year ago, if you would have known you're in the condition that you're in today, that you'd be walking through what you're walking through today, you'd say, God, no, help me. Don't let it be so. It was one year ago this weekend that I finished, just as I will tonight, a time of vision with our church. I walked off this very platform. I got a call. It was my brother, and he said, Our dad's just had a stroke. He's in the hospital. That began a nine-month downhill journey. I didn't know the day before that 
that every conversation I had had previously were the last conversations I would have that would be two-way interaction in a way that would be clear and understandable. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know that I'll wake up tomorrow morning. You don't know that you'll wake up tomorrow morning. We don't know that we might not get that call from the doctor, that we might not have that bad report. Life is frail. It's fragile. That's why the Proverbs, the Old Testament version of James in chapter 27 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. It's brief, it's fragile, and it's out of our control. Life is out of our control. You can make all those plans, but here's what Scripture says. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Think of those families that would have gathered as normal on that night before September 11th, 2001. I think of those businessmen who gathered on the top floor, investors talking about their investment strategy. At the end of the meeting, they decided that the next morning they would gather again and make decisions concerning their investments. And they did gather. They did meet again. But that would be their last meeting. I think of all the different people that have walked through tragedy and pain and difficulty, unaware that it was facing them when they found it in that very moment. He's saying, you don't understand life. But not only, he says, if you don't understand life, you're living as if you don't even know who God is. He says, you should say, if. The Lord wills it because you won't have another day. You won't live another day. You won't experience another day if the Lord doesn't will it. He's reminding us that God is sovereign and that we are not. And when we began to live with this idea of self-sovereignty, we're playing God and it creates all kind of dangerous consequences. Let me lay some out for you. Number one, when I play God, my life becomes all about me. I'm the center of the universe. I, I live as if nothing matters but me. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Most of us have been to a birthday party of a little child. And what happens at that kind of party? It's all about that child. I mean, you sing to that child. You give gifts to that child. Everybody's focused on that child. It's their party. And that sometimes causes tension with little children because some of their friends are looking on and, and they realize, you're not singing to me. You're not giving me stuff. In fact, you know what we give them? We give them little goodie bags, party favors, cheap, useless stuff. You know why? To remind them, this is not your party. When we play God, we act as if it's our party. And with great respect, I just need to remind you today, this is not your party. You weren't put here because of you. You were put here to give your all, bringing glory to the creator. You were put here to yield your life to his control to his honor. You were put here to bring him pleasure. It's not about us. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. 
It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. When I play God, it becomes all about me. When I play God, I seek satisfaction stuff. That's what the guy in James says. Hey, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go here or there and I'm going to do this job and we're going to make some money, 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 money. I mean, that's, that's what we live for. It's material things. But think about how silly that is. We worship creation, creation instead of the creator. We worship the stuff we have instead of the one who's given us everything we have. And then when I play God, I, I fail to embrace the mystery of life. It is like a mist. It's here one day, it's gone the next, and that's a mystery. I don't understand it. I don't understand why it seems like God heals some people, and, and some people, he chooses not to provide that healing touch on this side of heaven. I don't understand why some people, it seems like everything they touch turns to gold, and other people struggle to make a dime. I, I don't understand why some people can do anything, and other people can't keep a job. A lot of mysteries in life, aren't there? I don't understand a lot about God. But you know what? When I, when I think I've got to put God in a box, when I've got to get him completely figured out, I'm playing God. And I fail to embrace the wonder and the mystery of who he is. When I play God, I, I forget about forever. So that's what keeps me going, Right? I don't know how people go on that don't have faith in Christ and don't look to the future. I don't know how you go forward without the hope of heaven. It's because he lives that I can face tomorrow. It's because he lives that all fear is gone. It's because I know that he holds my future and that one day I will be face to face with him. With one day I'm going to see my dad and be able to give him the biggest hug. And you're going to be able to see your spouses and your parents and God forbid your children that have passed. And you're going to enjoy the beauty and the wonder of heaven. It's the forever that makes the precepts and the principles and the promises of God real. They mean nothing if we don't, if we don't trust in his forever. And when I play God, I, I'm forgetting that it's not about right now. I'm not just spending time. I'm not wasting time. I'm investing time because this earth is not my home. Then when I play God, I exalt myself rather than humble myself. We do the opposite of verse 10. We don't humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. We, we say, I, I'm going to get up whatever it takes. I'm going to climb over whoever I've got to climb over. I'm getting to the top. See you at the top, baby. And yet the way up is down in the things of God. It was Jesus who knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and 
though he did not want to go to the cross, he prayed, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. When we play God, it's all about our will. It's all about our way. It's nothing but what we want. That's a scary thing to say, God, let your will take place in my life. Let your kingdom come in my life just as it is in heaven today. How do you think it takes place in heaven instantly, however he wants it? That's what he wants us to do, to submit to his will, to resign as the boss, to surrender control. And if we don't, and we play God, when we play God, we ignore the reality of sin. Now, what's the reality of sin? Well, in rooms like this, we've made the reality of sin too limited. We think about things like, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But the reality of sin is that sin is anything that controls and rules my life. Because the only thing that has that rightful rulership is the lordship of Jesus Christ. So James, he's about to give the punch. He he says, hey, you said today or tomorrow, I'm going to go here or there, and I'm going to do this or that, and I'm going to make a lot of money. Let me tell you what you should have said. You should have said, if the Lord wills it. So not only do you not understand life, you don't know God. Because it's not going to happen if the Lord doesn't will it. Do you believe that? Early Christians did. In, in fact, they would translate that into Latin. It was Deo, Deo Valente. And, and everywhere you looked, you would hear Christ's followers say, greeting each other with Deo Valente, or, or you'd see that inscribed in buildings and cathedrals, Deo Valente, if God wills it, God willing. And in some traditions, that becomes a cliche, and I don't suggest it should become a cliche, but it's not a bad thing to say, hey, see you next week, Lord willing. Hey, let's do that again next summer, if God wills. Man, I really want that job, but I want God's will more. I I, I hope I can end up with the love of my life, but I want God's will more than that. Are you willing to live by God's will? Do you live in constant consideration of the will of God? It's your choice. You can deny the will of God. Not interested. You can defy the will of God. I know it, but I'm not going to do it. Or you can delight in the will of God. I know for me, I want to delight in the will of God. I want what he wants. And so that's how James ends this. He says in verse 17, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him... That's sin. So he gives us the reality of sin right there. You want to know what sin is? Sin is not doing those things God wants you to do. Whether it's the good things that you don't do or it's the bad things you do. Sin is not doing the things God wants you to do. So what's the secret? How do I stop playing God and give him control? Number one, I discover what God wants me to do. It's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? 
I want to challenge you. If you're a Christ follower, start there. Make a decision today to discover what it is God wants you to do. Let me remind you how you know and do the will of God. First, you open up the book. You read God's word. Because when you read God's word, God speaks. Just think about that. The foundation of the Christian faith is that we believe this is the word of God. That means when you read it, it's God speaking. You want God to speak out loud in your life? Read the Bible out loud. Read the Bible. Spend time in prayer, talking and listening to God. Sit under godly preaching, the teaching of his word. Seek wise biblical counsel. And then ask God to demonstrate himself in your experiences. Discover what it is God wants you to do, but then do what God wants you to do. When you discover his will, you just step out and you do it. I'm trying to do that more in my life. I fail so often. Sometimes it relates to my finances. If I have cash in my pocket, sometimes it's God saying, hey, you need to pass that along and And I'm trying to be sensitive. I had a moment of that recently. Sometimes it's just something I need to say or an action I need to do. And I'm just trying to be sensitive that if I'm walking in the will of God, trying to discover and delight in his will, when he reveals it to me, I've got to do it. And when I do his will, you know what that means? I've surrendered my will. And when I surrender my will, I stop playing God. And the ultimate way I stop playing God is I look at the one who is God. God gives us so many illustrations of how this works. Um, In fact, in the Old Testament, it's often as he tells us about the kings, right? Like King David. King David was a man after God's own heart, but whoa, he played God. He saw a woman that he wanted and he just figured, I can take her. When that didn't work out, he figured, I'll just kill her husband. When that didn't work out, he just lied until God showed up and he dealt with the consequences. And the rest of his life, David dealt with the consequences of playing God. But that's the most common story. If you read through the Old Testament like I've been doing this year, do you you know what you'll find? Time after time, there's a king and it says something like this about that king. But they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Because though God had elevated them to that position of king, they began to act like they were God instead of an instrument of God. Until one day, a little baby named Jesus was born of a virgin. And that baby was 100% God and 100% man. And Jesus grew up, and though we can't understand it, he lived life just like every other little boy and every teenager and every young man. But as a young man, people began to see he was different. And Jesus began to gather his followers, and he called himself God. Some believed, but some didn't. And eventually... By calling himself God, he got himself killed. Now, what you and I know, that was always part of God's plan. Jesus died on that cross, not just because the Romans or the Jews put him there, but because you and I as sinners needed punishment. 
Jesus, who was God, who is God, took that form of a servant and he died so that you and I don't have to. But he didn't stay dead. Jesus also showed us that he is God because he defeated death and he rose to life. And before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us instructions to live. And none of those instructions involved pretending or playing like we're God. All of those instructions involved submitting to his will. So you want to know how to make sure you're not playing God? You just run to the cross. You just run to Jesus. And you recognize that but for him and by his grace, you're nothing. You're not God, you're not good. I'm not God, I'm not good. But He is God and He is good. And when I surrender to Him, He takes my mess and He turns it into a blessed life. And that's what He wants for you. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.